Welcome to the Tearing It Up podcast. I'm your host, Taryn. We'll be tearing it up, tearing it down, and tearing it apart, dissecting all things related to those who deviate from the standard. From leaders of their industry to leaders of mediocrity, and maybe a gear review or two thrown in. We shoot the shit and let the conversations flow, so if that's not your style, this may not be for you. Otherwise, listen in. Hope to light a fire in you somehow. All right, awesome. I'm super excited to have Tanya here. So we have Tanya, the money life coach. Um, We have been talking about having a financial expert on for a long time. So really excited to have you here. Really bummed that Amber um, couldn't make it on today. We had a last minute kind of schedule conflict. And unfortunately, it couldn't move things around to get Tanya back on at a time that we could both be here. But um, I do have a question or two from her and from some of you from our listeners. So we're going to dive into some stuff about Tanya first, kind of learn how she got to where she is with her business and all that. And then later on, get to some of these questions that we've had or that you guys, the listeners have had. Um, But to start, so I started following Tanya a couple of years ago. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head exactly when now, but actually my good friend Hillary, who's been on the podcast before, she introduced me to you. And so she was here in Tahoe as well. And that was just something that I was thought was really cool. I'm like, oh, sweet. She's here in Tahoe. That's awesome. Um, definitely made me want to connect with her over the podcast and have her on. Um, so Tanya, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're in Tahoe now. How long have you been in Tahoe? We'll just let you take it away. Yeah, I love that connection. The talk, you know, anyone I can meet in this area, I just love it so much, especially in entrepreneur entrepreneurship world and female, you know, I think it's great. So um basically I grew up in Southern California, but I've always loved the mountains and loved out- outside nature, all the things. And I got into snowboarding in my teen teenage years and came to Lake Tahoe after I graduated college basically to be a snowboard bum. <laughs> and <Hear that. laughs> I, with a longer term goal of writing content, like journalist in the snowboard world, like I thought, okay, when I realized you could get paid to go travel around and write about snowboarding um, and not have to be, get injured or get hurt, actually try to be a professional snowboarder. That was what I wanted to do. So my career, my background's always been in like journalism, um, writing, things like that. And so I was in that industry for about 10 years. So I moved up to Tahoe originally in 2006. So, you know, almost 15 years ago now, which is crazy. I've moved back and forth back to LA, to the Bay Area, to Colorado in between all that. And I'd say about 10 years ago, yeah, nine, 10 years ago was when I was like, okay, what's my next transition? Like what, how, you know, I want to build a career, I want to make money, make more money and figure this out. So that's when I was like, how do my skills translate to something else that can make more money? And that's when I got into marketing and copywriting, but similar in the action sports industry. So I was in the action sports world still with GoPro and some other Bay Area companies, which was really cool. And same thing, kind of going back and forth between the Bay Area and Tahoe, knowing I wanted to be based at a Tahoe and really with the entrepreneur mindset of like, I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to build my own business, which I had had a side business in Tahoe doing a snowboard magazine, like back in the day. So I had started to do that, but it was kind of just like a side hustle. wasn't really making much money still off that. I was still working in the restaurant industry, all those things. Fast forward to about nine years ago, I was in my early thirties and 
finances, I, I was, I would say I would consider myself good with money. Like my bills were paid on time. I wasn't late. I had a good credit score, like on, on, kind of like from an outside view, I was like, I'm doing okay. But I knew just something I could be doing better. And the situation that really changed things for me was when I ended up with my now ex, but when I started dating my ex fiance, ex boyfriend, um, I ended up moving in with him by default because I didn't have a savings. I was in between living situation. And what happened was I ended up instantly like relying on him for money, for finances. And I felt very at, un, uneasy about it. I felt very like, oh, I should figure my life, I should have my life figured out. I'm in my early thirties. So all this stuff kind of started coming at me then. And that's when I went on this like personal finance journey to figuring out how to manage my finances, how to take control of my finances as a woman, um, how to get out of debt. I was really like, I really didn't want to have all this debt anymore. And through that was able to pay off my debt. I mean, this took like years of education and things like that. Um, and I just got really excited to be able to teach what I learned to other people. And so it just happened organically and it wasn't anything that I planned, but it was something that I was really excited talking to people about. And I thought, okay, something's here and maybe I can teach people this and coach people on how I did this too. <laughs> so that's yeah. basically what I've been doing the last like four or five years now from that point. Well, that's awesome. I mean, when we, we got to meet, um, before we scheduled this call and that's when I learned a little bit about your background and working in the snowboard industry and all that. And so that was just another great connection. I really liked to have because this podcast, it is, you know, we don't really claim it as like outdoor centric, really. We talk to like anybody, but a lot of the people we talk to, there's some kind of connection to the outdoors. So that's where it was like really cool to have someone who's it like, you know, financially knowledgeable and all that. But then we also have those other connections of just a similar kind of lifestyle. And especially for our listeners too, a lot of our listeners are in that kind of world. And sometimes they feel like, especially those of us in that world who are actually either working in the industry still or the restaurant industry, but because of the lifestyle, it allows you to live in the outdoors and whatnot. Um, I think it's, it can be hard to find financial advice because you don't really know what it's like to live the lifestyle of having multiple jobs, but trying to like said, live out your passions and stuff like that. It's not just as simple as like, here's your nine to five and um, here's your paycheck and blah, blah, blah. Like we're, we're trying to piece it all together and still like said, enjoy what we're, what our life callings are. So it's really cool to like hear your story on how you kind of transitioned and, and just started to figure it out. Also to your point of living with a partner and feeling that kind of financial, uh, I don't want to put words into your mouth or make it seem like I feel this way, but like kind of trapped, right? You're like, you're relying on someone else. And even though you may love them and be sharing a life, I feel like sometimes myself, I feel a little like, oh man, I, I get into this zone of feeling trapped and not as if I can't like leave or something, but that I don't have as much financial freedom as they might have to where like I can go book a trip with my girlfriends whenever I want, or, you know, I can just go buy whatever we need for the house or whatnot anytime in my life. Um, and so those situations get like really frustrating, like especially being in my mid thirties. It's like okay, I should, 
I should be able to do that and not have to rely on my partner of like, hey, you know, got to go to the grocery store. Can we like, can we use the joint account or, you know, can you pay for this or that? And it's just like, okay, yeah. I want the, I want the independence. I like being able to depend on my partner and having a life partner, but I still want to know that I can be independent at any point in time. And for me, um, a lot of that is like about financials and being able to feel it that way. So, um, so when you started moving into that world of finances and kind of like teaching people, how did you, how did you start teaching people? I mean, did you just one day you're like, okay, I'm going to just start like posting about it and seeing who's catching on or were you posting about it? Um, like just about your own financial freedom and people were asking you questions yeah, I mean, I think I organically I started just telling my friends and helping people budget and figure out, manage their money, I guess, in this way. And I started doing, you know, I started doing with my family, like my my family was asking as I started to learn. And, I, and I'm a big like personal development person anyway. So like I really enjoy like helping others set goals and figure out, you know, it's it's not just about a budget and their finances, it's about like what are your long-term goals and how are you going to get there? Mm-hmm. So I'm all about like helping people create that vision. I I do that naturally with my friends and family. So I started doing that just like with my friends and family. And then um I wanted to take it a little bit more seriously. So I looked into some financial coaching programs. And so I found like a training that mm-hmm. I could take to basically become it's not a certification, but you basically you know take a training to become a financial life coach. Um, because there's a step, like a lot of people go, oh, I need a, I need to invest. I need to go a financial planner. I need to talk to investment advisor, but most people aren't even ready in that place yet. They need the financial foundation in place and they need to understand where their money is going today before they can start to invest. They might want to, they might need to pay off debt or have other goals before they start investing. So I noticed like there was a lot of that missing from financial, personal finance advice. And I was like, I can fill this gap by how I've created my budget and how I'm teaching my friends and family. And yeah, I basically started just talking, you know, posting on social media um, for fun. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to like make this a brand or whatever, you know, the money life coach was what I started like calling myself. And um, because I think money in your life go hand in hand and everything in your life is almost impacted by finances. So Mm I was like, those two things really make sense together. And um, taking the personal development side of like life coaching, I think is really important part of understanding your beliefs and your habits around money that really help you establish a solid foundation and healthy habits to grow and to figure out your finances for the long term. So I kind of like was putting all those things together randomly, but it all like came together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kind of throwing like spaghetti at the wall for a minute, right? I feel like with any business, you gotta, you gotta try some things first and see what's sticking and what it is like, find the path that you want to go down or create. Um, so that makes a lot of sense about your, the business name now, the money life coach. It's not just like, they're kind of like the money coach, the life coach, the, all of it coach. I love that because he said so many things that you'll see or read about money advising, all that. Um, it's, it doesn't really relate back to you. I, f- I feel like, especially as women, when we're thinking a little bit more on that emotional side and personal development, you're like, yeah, there's more to this than just like put this money in this jar and that in this jar, or whatever kind of budgeting system. Um, 
relating it back to actual life will help you be a little bit smarter about finances or like learn them better. Like finding your why. Um, We talk about that a lot. I've so coach, I coach wrestling and um, we're trying to get more girls on the team. And one of those things of like learning how to teach women is telling them the why. And I think that that's just with anything is like, we really grasp things a lot better when you understand the why and how it works. Like I don't necessarily have to take apart every single thing and see how it works from the very beginning, but it it does help. But especially knowing that why it makes that connection there. Um, And I feel like a lot of times with money uh, it's taught by men. And so it's just like, just do this, just budget this. Like this is just do that. You don't have to worry about why, but it's like, no, if if you're trying to figure out why do you want to spend money on that? Like there can be some real emotional reasons behind that. Yeah. It's not oh, just, 100%. Emotional. Yeah. Everything is emotional. It's all emotional spending when it comes to money. Every choice we make to spend our money is an emotional reason, whether it's where we live and things that we don't necessarily maybe want to spend our money on. It's um, It all is. But it, it's so true. Like people don't ask the question why, and it's such a simple question. Like, why do you want to pay off your debt? Or why do you want to invest? Why do you think you need to invest your money? Um, or what is your reason for, you know, going deeper? Because a lot of people are just like surface level, like they hear advice and they just believe it mm-hmm. and they don't question why. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm challenging people because once I started undercover, uncovering how we're marketed to as women and in general by the banks and by all these companies, um, credit card debt stats, stats on getting into debt in general. I was like, wait, you know, we're conditioned to take on debt and debt is normal to people. Um, but it suffocates people. It's so easy to get into debt, but then it, it sets people up for failure. So like I started questioning a lot of things, why I always believed I needed a car payment or, cause I was taught that as a kid, I taught, I was taught by my dad, he always said, oh, everyone always has a car payment. So in my head, growing up, you just always have a, that's just normal. Mm-hmm. Like that's what everybody does. And so when you start under, questioning why almost to everything, I feel like you start to create your own beliefs because the beliefs that we, that we create or that we have are mostly created from our past and from our childhood and from our parents or people who might not have the best information about finances, you know, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I'm just figuring out, I feel like in the last, I don't know, really year, probably diving more into kind of my financial habits or reasons, I guess a couple of years, but I mean, you can think about where you come from in life, right? And like, oh, we never had that much money or whatever. So I didn't know how to manage it or this, that, but when I kind of uncover a little bit further, I'm like, well, it, like I have very similar spending habits to other people in my family and stuff and you're just like okay yeah it there is actual roots to it it's not just like you should just know how to manage it and people just think that like you get a paycheck you you know pay your bills and then put whatever left in savings or something um but yeah we're really taught nothing about how to manage it in school so if you really weren't at home and whether that's because your family didn't have money, so they weren't teaching you how to manage it when you do get money or whatever the reason. It's just crazy to really look into it and notice how 
um like evolutionary like those money ideals can be and just be passed down from generation to generation it's like oh wow yeah it, you can just see families being in the same patterns just like any anything else with exercising with like you know vices and it's like oh wow yeah um tips like how we our relationships patterns and you know all kinds of things in our life or patterns unless we recognize them enough to be like wait I'm repeating itself you know it's repeating itself and that's how it was for me I grew up paycheck to paycheck our family did and it was like we'd get to payday and it was exciting and then almost instantly it's like we had no money again and we waited you know it's like all the bills are paid hurry up go buy groceries and then like two more weeks, you know, until we get money. And it was just this constant, like stress around money. Um, living paycheck to paycheck was normal. Mm-hmm. So that's how I operated around money until my thirties when I was like, I don't want to. And then what was happening was I was using my credit cards in between paychecks. Cause you know, it's so much easier to just like put it on a credit card and pay it back later. Uh, and then you end up just like with a pile of more debt. Cause you know, <laughs> if you're not budgeting or managing your money every month, then you just, that's so easy to get into more debt. So um, yeah, I was, I, you know, it kind of like, I don't want to say I hit like a rock bottom moment, but I definitely hit a moment where I was like, oh my God, like this sucks. I hate this anxiety and and feeling stressed and anxious about money constantly, um, worried, like what's going to happen. You know, I'm when you get in your thirties, like time starts going by faster. So you mm-hmm. start I'm going to be 50, like, in a, you know what I mean? Like, to, I'm going to, yeah. I'm never going to be able to retire, like all these things. So you, you want to get those habits and those, those things figured out sooner than later so that you can like start to build. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, it's hard and that's the thing, a, a lot of different uh, either books or podcasts or whatever that I've listened to, you know, they, Everything talks about the same thing of obviously like trying to get out of debt, an emergency fund and having those things. But there are times that you're paycheck to paycheck and like you just can't get out of that. Like you really don't have anything extra, like all your all your money down to the cent is like allocated for. Do you have any suggestions at all if someone's in that situation, like where what would be the first thing they could look at to start just at the the most minimum like debt you have or figuring out like it are is your money going to debt or is it going to like expenses that you can't get rid of like yeah i mean i think the biggest thing that i have people do is like know their overhead from the get go like even if it's writing it down just on a piece of paper like what are all my bills my basic necessities right like your housing your transportation, like what are the basic bills you have, all your minimums, minimum debts. And what is that number? Like, what is your bare minimum that you need to survive? Um, you would think most people know that, but most mm-hmm. people don't have all that writ- even written down to know. They're just guessing. Mm-hmm. And most people don't know how much they're really spending on food, for example. So it's like, wait, how much, what percentage, you know, helping people figure out those percentages. But I think like the biggest thing is just writing down on your bills and be like, okay, my bills each month are 4,000. My bare minimum is Mm -hmm. 4,000. That's like, I need to figure out how to make, if I'm not making that, I need to figure out how to increase my income because it's an income issue. Mm -hmm. If you're making 6,000, but it's still, and your bills are 4,000. Now it's a question of like, well, where's the rest of that money going? Like you're overspending somewhere, right? So like, because I found, 
the majority of people do have the money, even if they're middle-class, like a lot of people do end up having the money there. They're mm-hmm. just not managing it or look really honing in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you realize like d- my bills are more than my, how much money I make, then it might be a temporary situation where it's like, what other side, I need to figure out how to make more money, like as soon as possible, any freaking way you can, right? Like there's so many crazy ways to make money now, um, mm-hmm. you know, sell whatever you, I was selling, like whatever I could at my house. I was just getting like side jobs at a restaurant or side jobs, um, on the weekends just mm-hmm. to get a little bit of extra, like, cause in that situation, a couple hundred dollars, $500, a thousand dollars more a month really helps to start to close the, or to make the gap, like help, help with the gap of trying to get that money. in. so I think it's like, people have this fear and anxiety, but they're not actually looking. It's like, put it on paper and mm-hmm. then you can make a, a decision. Cause people are just like, oh, I don't have a month. And like, and it just like gets caught up, but they don't actually know what the number is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that it definitely can cause a lot of anxiety or overwhelm to, to write that stuff down or to look at it. And then you might be afraid to look, right? I know people are afraid to look at their balances. I know there's been plenty of times in my life that I'm like, okay, I know that I am like this, this pay period was a rough one. I had this to pay that to pay. And so I'm a couple days away from my paycheck and I don't even want to see like what's left right now. I don't want to know. Like, I just want to wait until after payday when I know there's money in there. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, it can be super overwhelming also to write those numbers down, especially if you are in the situation that maybe your income is less than your expenses. And then you're like, oh, my God, like I have to yeah, sell something or find a job. But, you know, you mentioned it being temporary. And I think having that mindset too going into it is like, okay, a temporary solution may be getting um, a job a few hours a week instead of looking at it as like, I have to go take on another full-time job and blah, blah, blah. Like, especially when you can calculate something like, yeah, okay, a hundred extra dollars, $200 extra a week. And that's where it's going to get me. And this doesn't have to be forever. I just need to like put my head down for, you know, a couple months, maybe even just to, just to get in a spot where you can breathe a little bit. Um, so again, I mean, what you do anyways, right? The life coach, like more mindset part of it than just like allocate your dollars here, not there. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's kind of like dieting and exercise, right? Like some of us know what to do, but we're not, we're not doing it. So it's like, it's minimizing those things. I think like the whole looking at it as temporary is a really good mindset trick for people. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I don't want to take on another full, another not full time, but like, I don't want to take on another job. I'm already tired. Um, I don't want to do this, but like looking at it as like, can I do this for a few months or six months, whatever it is to get ahead and kind of build this up, build the savings up or whatever it is. Um, because like, as much as I try to help people get, get out of debt as fast as possible, I'm like getting out of debt should be temporary. And it should be like, maybe you do want to work more. You don't necessarily have to, but sometimes like, I want to just get this gone and out of here. So for, for me personally, I was like, for a year, I could basically commit to like working like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have kids. Well, I'm not really, you know, I was in a relationship, but not, I don't really have like big commitments mm-hmm. and I can put my head down and focus um, and, and commit to budgeting and the things that I had like put off for so long in order to get, I was like, something I'm doing is not working. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you gotta have, you gotta kind of look in the mirror and be like, what am I doing? That's causing 
me not to get ahead. Cause like the tools and the resources and the things are there. Mm-hmm. We're just not putting them into practice. So I was like, okay, well, everyone says you need a budget. How do I actually create a budget and stick to a budget? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so there, there's like simple things, but it, it is that habit, those habits that need that you need to do consistently and mm-hmm. the discipline that you need to have. Same thing with losing weight, eating and exercise, right? Like if you're not committed to that discipline, then you're not going to get to your goal because mm-hmm. you don't want it that you don't want it bad enough. And if you, I had the reason why my, why was I wanted to have financial empowerment. I didn't want to feel stuck in that relationship because of money. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to be able to leave or like you said, take a vacation or do whatever and not be like, Hey, can I, you know, bar- asking him when we're not even married, like, yeah, borrow money. So that, that was my why for me. And that's what motivated me. Mm-hmm work temporarily, uh, multiple jobs to be able to get there. And like you said, having that why is so important because if you don't, and it's just, well, I want to get out of debt because you're supposed to, you're supposed to be able to pay your credit cards off or pay off your, your loan, your car loan, your this or that. But, but then if that's the only reason it's like, how does that stop you from as soon as that's paid off? Like, Oh, I have an empty credit card. Now I'm going to go on that vacation. Cause even though my credit card's empty, I don't have anything in, in savings. Cause I just paid this debt off, but I have, you know, a free like 10 grand over here or something. Let me just go take this vacation that I can, you know, pay off quick. Cause it will only be, you know, maybe I'll spend a couple thousand dollars. So I can, yeah. I can pay that off like easily. Cause it's not this big number anymore. And then that's just a whole other like rabbit hole in itself. I feel like once you start, using it again it's just a constant vicious cycle so having that why probably helps you stay out of debt a little bit more I you know so well yeah it's like that goal of getting out of debt like what's the next goal and why you know Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think what you were getting to too or what I what was bringing up when you were saying that was like delaying gratification Mm. like that we're in such a society where we can buy whatever we want. We can get it basically right when we want it. Mm-hmm. And we, that's that emotional spending, right? Like we're advertised to, I think something like 10,000 times a day nowadays. Like we get ads bombarded on our face. Every single, almost social media post now has a tag for a product on it, right? Mm-hmm. Any, almost anything you see online, even your friends posts are tagged with something to buy. Mm-hmm. So this is, it's in our face constantly. And we're, it's in our face constantly. Like, we need more, we need more, you know, consume, consume, consume. Um, so yeah, having to delay gratification and knowing like what, asking yourself why I really want this like top that so-and-so, you know, Ooh, this is cute. Like, do I actually need this? Like, like kind of have those like real conversations with yourself and not like being like, Oh, it's okay. I'm just going to buy it. I'll figure it out later. Um, and thinking more deeply is like, what's making me want this Thing right now and like do I actually need this or what is it you know that's triggering that and I like to use the 48 hour rule um is what I use with my clients so like if you see something online or wherever you're you're shopping and you weren't planning on buying it it's not technically in your budget um wait 48 hours before you decide to buy that thing and I would say like 90 over 90% of the time you don't end up wanting that thing like the next day or that like, like oh what you know because time passes and your emotions change mm-hmm. Because we are in emotional states, we buy when we're either lonely, sad, bored, 
Mm-hmm. Like at night, same reason why people overeat and over yep. the lonely, sad, bored, anxious, whatever. Or we buy when we're happy and really having a good day. Oh, we're going to treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. The whole treat ourselves mentality. Like, oh, I did good at work. I got this. I got to, you know, whatever it is, got a raise. Well, people automatically end up spending more money than they got a raise. Um, so you have to be really conscious of like what's going on inside your, mo- like your emotional spending and why you want things like we're out, we're out with friends at brunch. We're drinking mimosas. Now we're looking a trip to wherever. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It is really crazy how much um, that I, I didn't realize until this conversation, how to me identical it is about nutrition or fitness. Really. It's like, yeah, those are the times, like you said, you're going to eat. Um, and if you wait just a second, you know, don't have the ice cream immediately after, you know, dinner or something, or as soon as it, something bad happens, you wait just a second. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm full now. I don't need it. Um, I do a lot of online window shopping and I know that most of the time the stuff that ends up in my cart, you know, I don't buy because I'm like, I I can talk myself back to earth of, yeah, I don't need that right now. You know, it's middle of summer. I do not need to be buying (laughs) this winter stuff. (laughs) Like I just, and I, it's, I don't need it in the first place. I especially don't need to spend that money now. Like if I was going to buy something, I should buy something that I can use and or need right now. And yeah, usually that just comes down to, to nothing, um, or, or something, you know, but I try to talk myself off the ledge. And so I do, I do enjoy the, just like online window shopping instead of, but you know, sometimes that impulse is there, especially nowadays that there's all these different, um, types of after payment, all these like Klarna, Affirm, all these things that's like paying for, and it makes it a chunk of like, oh, I could only pay like $35 right now. I could afford that. And then in two weeks and then in two more weeks. And then like, oh, they say zero interest and I could have this now. But man, then you end up with, you know, a bunch of things that week or something that's $35 a week. You're like, oh, cool. Now I've spent $200 this week instead of the, you know, amount on the one item or something. And now that's happening for eight weeks in a row because I have four payments of like four different things. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. It makes it feel like they give you this feeling of, um, almost inclusiveness. Like, oh, you're allowing me to to buy this. I wouldn't be able to, to get this unless you offered me this for like time payment. But actually it's like, oh no, you're just screwing me over. <laughs> you're actually really don't give a shit about me. You're putting me in the hole and making me, uh, like buy more than I, I would have. Yeah. It's taking that power back. Cause it is like spending money you don't have, right. Mm-hmm. You're taking on debt, whether you can rationalize it or not, like, Oh, you know, I can, I can make this payment, whatever it is. You're, you're still taking on debt and money. You're buying something with money. You technically don't have. Mm-hmm. So if any one little thing goes wrong, right. Some other emergency comes up. Um, you miss a payment. Those things screw up your finances and go on your credit report and mess up your finances. Um, and that payment mentality, I mean, the banks feed on to broke and middle-class, the poor and middle-class on purpose and keep people in debt and in this broke and scarcity mindset. And so, you know, I worked with a client last year who had like 15 afterpays, 15 are Klarna and afterpay. And when you, you know, and they're like, oh, it's $15 and you add it all up. Like you said, you're like, this is $500 a month now. Yeah, geez. That you didn't 
didn't necessarily need or didn't have and aren't using like, um, so it's like taking a step, like zooming out and, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I've changed my whole mindset now. Like if I don't have the money to buy it, I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I, if I didn't budget for it, I didn't plan for it. Um, so you're taking your power back because you're coming from a proactive place rather than a reactive place. So as, as much as you can take your power back, mm -hmm. you're like, no, I'm in control. I can make this choice. If I don't have the money, then I'm not going to buy it. You know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's easier said than done. It takes time to work on that. Um, but I feel like it is just understanding yourself and then knowing really clear, like, well, my goal is to go on, I'm, I'm not even going to use debt. It's like, my goal is to go on like a European vacation mm -hmm. next year, by this time next year. And then if you're going to buy something, you know, even though it's maybe a hundred dollars, like, okay, well, this hundred dollars could go towards that trip. You know, if, if you don't have a goal that you're trying to reach, you're always going to be in that situation where it's like, oh, I can afford $20 a month extra. I can afford... I can make that payment. And um, you're going to rationalize that with yourself instead of having a goal and being like, no, I want to put this towards that trip mm -hmm. rather than, you know, buy this thing that's going to last whatever a day or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And because I am a personal trainer and like a lot of the listeners out there are active people, it's again, very similar to a aesthetic or weight loss goal or whatever it is a strength goal is if you, you know, you want to run this race or bike this race or do this competition that holds you more accountable to like working out daily or your, whatever your schedule is rather than like, I want to lose 10 pounds just because I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, it's like, well, it's going to be a lot harder to say no to that, that cocktail or that, you know, piece of dessert or whatever, because you don't really have a goal. And even if your goal is just simply like, I, I feel healthier this way, like that's still a goal. And that's going to help you keep that in mind when you're making those choices. So if your goal is, yeah, I don't want to be fucking stressed every day about how much money is in my account and how much gas I can get in my car or how much, you know, groceries I can buy at the store, then that in itself could be the goal that makes you realize like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy that whatever other shirt or jacket that I don't need just because right now it's cute. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's really important to focus on those small goals first too. And like, I always say not to focus on more than like two goals at a time. Cause most people, especially with money, you get overwhelmed and it's like, Oh, I need to be paying off multiple credit cards at once and saving mm -hmm. and investing. And then going on a trip. It's like, you have to, you're competing priorities. So like, you really need to hone in on like, like for me, um, I teach people the debt snowball method, which is listing their debts smallest to largest, putting as much money as they can on the smallest debt, and then paying minimums on the rest. And like, basically it's a snowball effect and they're getting that momentum and that the small wins along the way. Right. What people are doing is like, they're putting $200 on this credit card, $400 on this credit card, $200 into a savings account, $100 in a 401k. Like they're spreading it out instead of just like, let's focus in and hone on this one thing get momentum and then go to the next goal. Yeah. It's like a checklist, you know, sometimes on my to-do list, I'll have done a few things that weren't on my list. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write those down on my list and then check them off because that makes me feel like, look it, I have accomplished things today, even though they weren't the major ones on my list. It's just kind of a, a reaffirming, like I am getting somewhere. So I like that idea of focusing on the small wins um, because 
then you can see yourself getting there. You know, if I'm going to focus on my smaller debt as opposed to my biggest, like I might give up because I'm like, okay. Or, you know, I have a couple months where I'm like, well, instead of making that large payment over here, since it's not getting any smaller, I'm just going to, you know, use that credit card or something. But if you're actually seeing some, you know, a dent in it, I think that can help you stick to it. And that's this, again, same thing with like a weight loss or something. You're not seeing anything move, then people quit and give up, which is why having more realistic goals, um, like in a time, timely manner and, um, knowing that like, yeah, am I going to pay $20,000 off in six months? Like not unless I'm getting paid, you know, an extra $60,000 a year or something. Ah. So making them into those smarter, the smart S M A R T goals, um, I think could be obviously really helpful. So with you, with your business, what, uh, what are the main things that you offer for people like courses or working with you on -on one-on-one? Yeah. So the, I do one-on-one coaching. So I normally work with people for a six month timeframe and we work together twice a month. So that's mostly, uh, budgeting, working on their monthly budgets. And then they also get access to my online course, which is like the money mindset, your habits are on money, building your money goals and things like that all included, but I'm working together with you one-on-one. I'm also just have a one on my online course. And that's for, if you want to, it's like a do it yourself more so. And it's, you know, obviously least uh, more affordable, but you do get the group coaching element. And then you can add on -on one-on-one coaching with me if you want to like one-off coaching. Um, But a lot of people, you know, I'm basically teaching you the system and how to budget the right way. Mm -hmm. Most people set up a budget once, never look at it again and like, Oh, I budgeted. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, I'm going to, pl- I make this whole exercise plan. And then you never put on your shoes yep. or go outside. It's like, um, so yeah, I teach people, this is how you actually set up your budget in a realistic way. Mm-hmm. You can still put in like things you want to do in your life. So like, you don't have to restrict people have this fear around budgeting. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to have any fun yeah. my entire life. And it's actually the opposite. It actually gives you freedom to spend your money because you're like, no, I have $100 here. I have $200. Like you budget all your money out before the month begins. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you're being proactive versus reactive. And as you go through the month, you're checking in. I recommend at least two to three times a week, you're looking at your account with cleared, like checking how much money you have left in that food category and moving stuff around a little bit as needed. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's perfect. You don't set up a budget once. Um, and it's, it's great, but it's just, it is that consistency in those habits, like those small wins, like you said, maybe the win is just like number one, looking at your monthly overhead and mm-hmm. facing, facing your finances and kind of like putting it on paper. Number two is like, okay, assessing, okay, what are my options? I'm going to get an extra side job, um, whatever it is. So I feel like, yeah helping people figure that out. And then also I have free online content, um, on social media, Instagram, and TikTok, where I'm teaching you a lot of the, a lot of what I'm teaching here, just like, you know, in short form videos and mm-hmm. making it more realistic for people. Cause I feel like, like you said, there's all kinds, it, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of advice and things out there. So I try to really come from my perspective of how I've gotten out of debt and what's worked for me and, um, helping people make people think differently instead of just following because the majority of people, you know, 
are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so helping them, inspiring them and motivating them to get out of debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you still, um, are you at the point of not like just having a budget kind of internally in your head? Do you still write your own budget out or what it like personally, where are you at? So I still do a Google Excel sheet. It's the one that I give away for free on the moneylifecoach.com. And then it's the one I work with. Like I build mine out for my clients and it's, I help you create the budget and do that all in the course too, and show you exactly how to use it. Um, but I still do my spreadsheet. Like I've had my spreadsheet. I've been out of debt, debt-free for six years now. Wow. I still budget every single month. And um, yeah, I budget consistently with my business finances and my personal and, um, it's actually fun. You know, I obviously like to do it cause I teach people how to do it for a living. So it's, it's kind of like a fun little game. It becomes fun to kind of like, Oh, I'm going to move this here and move that there. I, you know, I'm going on, I'm going on a trip to Hawaii soon. So it's like, what's gonna, you know, what's realistic for me to budget for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being really on top of my spending for food, that's still one of the hardest categories for me is like spending on food, going out to eat and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it gives me control and excitement to spend my money. Like giving's a big part of my budget now. Like putting giving and tithing into my budget is really important to me. Um, buying gifts or things for people. And so, yeah, it gives me a lot of freedom. And I still, it's it's a positive habit now for me. And it's just like something that I just do normally. You know, it's become, it's part of my life, basically. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you've done it now for so long and that it can become that just kind of second nature just to take a look. And I love that you add in giving in there because that can stress people out too. It's like, you want to be able to buy someone a gift and, you know, not have to worry about how much it is or feel bad that you didn't. And so it's like those things we don't think about if we have control over our, our finances, like, yeah, you don't have to worry that, Oh, you want to buy your mom something great for mother's day or whatever. Like you're like, I can do that. I have the power to do that without stressing that if I do this, like, I don't know if my credit card bills can, or, you know, get paid on time next, next week or next month or whatever, but I really want to do this. Um, And I think that in itself just gives you just a great feeling and a feeling of freedom too. I read that somewhere else, someone recommending or just realizing like how much more that gives you when uh, the sense of freedom that you can give to charities or you can donate your money and do these things you want to do without having a second thought about it. And that is just such a, a great feeling to have. Um, yeah, I think the best things about money is being able to give back and give mm-hmm. it away. It's more fun, better to, yeah. to give than receive. Mm-hmm. It really is. So like, you know, and that was one of the hardest things that one one of the hardest habits for me to break because I, same thing, like I want to be able to give, but I had this scarcity and fear mm-hmm. around, well, if I give, then I'm not going to be able to pay this bill or like, I won't, you know, I wanted to hold on to it because I was afraid because I wasn't budgeting. So I didn't mm-hmm. know where the money was going. But now it's like, it's a line item in my budget. Um, I budget a certain percent of my money and I don't even really, I don't think twice about it. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. And it's fun to like buy, you know, the first year I had Christmas when I didn't have a, I didn't, I didn't start the year off with a credit card bill. I was like, oh my God. I just like, same thing with the vacation. When you go with the plan, you don't come back and paying off that debt for the next six months until the next vacation comes. You yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Proactive versus reactive and having a plan going into it versus 
after the fact. Yeah. And then you also don't have to worry when it comes like vacation or something. I know a lot of people worry about taking that time off, right? You're like almost not enjoying the vacation because you're like, okay, I'm spending this much or maybe I budgeted enough to like be enjoy vacation, but I didn't work that whole time. Now I have to just come back and and work. And you're just thinking the whole time about how, when you get back, you have to work so freaking much to, to make up for time lost or money lost or whatever. And, and that's not fun either. So being able to go into it with a full budget and knowing that like you weren't reaching into money you didn't have yet or something, you're like, you're reaching into a specific amount and you don't have to make up for it when you get back has got to be a good feeling to have that I've only had when I put a vacation on a credit card. <laughs> it was like, still, yeah, it was there, but it wasn't as like. Yeah. It's starting to shift those or challenge that, you know, behavior because so much of it, like you said, is our habits are just like, oh, obviously I just put on the credit card and I'll I'll figure it out later. So mm-hmm. um, it is a different approach to money, but it does help. It does empower you and give you your power um, with the money you have coming in and just feeling better when you come back. Like you said, is like key and not having guilt and shame. The guilt and shame around money is real, mm-hmm. you know, especially for women, just um, feeling like we should be further ahead or we should be doing this or guilty about buying this. Um, so as much as we can remove that guilt and shame, I think can empower you and make you feel better about your choices, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So now that you're debt-free, do you use credit cards like at all? Because I know a big thing that I hear is people like financial, you know, quote unquote experts, whatever you want to call them. Um, we'll talk about paying off your debt, but then using credit cards smart. So, you know, using your credit card for this plane ticket, but you're going to immediately move that money over and pay the credit card off so that you're cashing in on the rewards, whether it's points or travel or whatever. Do you play into any of that stuff? Um, Very rarely now. So I, I basically, you know, I said I was addicted to spending and using my credit cards and it was a very slippery slope for me. So I, I do have one personal credit card and one business credit card. Um, The business one, for advertising and things like that, but it's still all budgeted out for the month in my tracker. Um, so technically I could just pay it right off. You know, mm-hmm. I can't immediately pay it off. It's nothing out of my income that's coming in. Um, same thing for my personal, but like, I'll say I might use it like uh, not even a couple times a month. Like I'll be like, you know, yeah, it's a bigger purchase or it's an online purchase that you kind of want. You don't want to take right out of your debit card or some sort, sometimes online purchases are sketchy. So you're like, I'm just going to, yeah, for the safe, more safety precaution mm-hmm. uh, or holding a hotel or a flight. Right. Cause they're like, they'll hold something on your car and then you're going to pay it off. Um, but I just say, yeah, I still go by that fact. I know my behavior and my habits well, and I get anxiety even still, even knowing I have the money, I'll get anxiety with using my credit card now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, I, I, I go right back into that feeling of like kind of being feeling out of control. Yeah. Yeah, that sense of, you know, mm-hmm. that money or that sense of in, in control, not having control. Like all of the rewards that you see offered and stuff, it all sounds very appealing and like a point that I'd want to get to of, yeah, I want to put this on a credit card so I can cash in the points. But like I so said, knowing myself and my spending habits, I think for me personally, it would be very hard to not like to move that money over immediately and not just keep using that credit card of like, Oh, well, okay, well now I'll go buy this. Like I'll, I'll book that plane ticket and then I need stuff for the vacation. So I'm just going to do that. And now I really don't want to move, you know, 
all that money over right now to the credit card. And so it can, yeah, be a very slippery slope. So I yeah. think that, you know, that goes back to what we've talked about is just knowing yourself and your own habits um, before you like first worry about paying off the debt and then, then determine how you feel about credit cards. Do they leave you feeling out of control? Then maybe it's not for you to worry about the rewards and the travel offers that they, they get you with, but if you can handle it, then um, is there any, any cards? This was a question that you would recommend or like that you use like any best rewards or something like, you know, Chase Sapphire, they got the best deal or like Alaska Airlines. Chase Chase Sapphire. A lot of people talk about card. Um, I mean, not necessarily. I think, you know, the benefits are all to what you are using the card for. So for my business, I have a Southwest business credit card because I fly Southwest a lot and I get, you know, more points for flights that I'm going traveling for work Mm -hmm. and anyway so that makes the most sense for me um and then my personal card i get um a percentage of cash back or you know points that i could put towards gift cards or cash back but like i said i wouldn't focus too much on that um because the banks have the biggest buildings for a reason (laughs) making the most money for a reason they're expecting you to you know you're still paying annual fees and other things they show that a lot of people don't even cash in these points and cash back most of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we think we're getting, that's the psychology of money that they're using on us. Mm -hmm. They, they do, I think they said, I can't remember what the exact number was, but they do like tens of thousands of studies a year on people's behavior and spending habits. So they're studying our behavior and spending habits. They know how much more we spend when we use a card, which on average is say, you know, we go to use our credit card instead of our debit card. Cause it's not, it's not our money. Mm-hmm. Psychology is different, right? When right. We so we often spend the minimum on average is 12% more. Wow. So you think, oh, I'm getting a deal. I'm getting cash back, but you're paying 12% more on average to buy something or <laughs> you're, you know, I, I would go to target and be like, Oh, I just need a couple of things. And I'm putting on my credit card. I'll pay it back. <laughs> I'll pay it back later. And you end up with like a cart full of stuff. Yep. That, didn't go in for that's what where that's playing into like right it's not your money um so I just say like be cautious and I don't I just say if you're going to use the card um you know have it in the budget and have a plan mm-hmm. for paying that card off but I still feel like just be super cautious of your like spending habits and like most people when they look back at their spending they're like oh my god what was this purchase Am- Amazon every month or this or that like yeah things like easily get out of control. Absolutely. It's like I had to take, I had to cut up my, I did like the whole cut up my credit cards, throw them, like throw them away. But like, you know, I, until they were paid off, I put them away. Cause it's like, if you're trying to stop smoking or trying to stop drinking, but you have one cigarette sitting in a drawer yeah, or, Oh, I have one bottle, you know, upstairs. It's still like, it's still there and tempting yep. you in some way. Um, and the thing that I hate that I see on social media is people being like, well, you just pay it off every month. Like that's what you yeah. do. You're, you know, you're an idiot if you can't do that. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not how people's psychology and people's emotional spending. That's not how that works. Like, like you said, just it, with those um, like addictions, it's the same, same exact thing that it's like, it's right there. It's like, no, it doesn't mean you're stupid. You just have that right there. And especially these days when Apple pay and stuff, it's like, you can't 
for some of us, cutting up our cards isn't going to do anything anymore because you're like, oh, well, I have my phone and everything's still on there. You know, I can... so they're making it so convenient for us. They're yep. really helping us out here. Yeah, totally. Yep. That's what oh, I love when people are like, oh, it's so convenient. I'm like, yeah, I would not have bought that $9 coffee when I forgot <laughs> my wallet. If I, if this wasn't a thing, actually, I would have yeah. just drank the water, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I think it's all interesting. Like I, and I say, you know, when you first kind of go on this journey or if you want to get better with your finances, instead of like judging yourself or your spending habits, it's like, can you come from a place of curiosity or as much as you can be curious about like, Hmm, that's interesting. Like, why am I doing that? Or why mm-hmm. do I immediately drive, like not even think and drive through pull in Starbucks yep. when I house every morning, you know, mm-hmm. like these things that become ingrained in us or pull out my credit card instead of my debit card at Target, like little things like that. But I think it's interesting to come from a place of like curiosity and mm-hmm. not judge judgment and then kind of peeling back the onion of like why we're doing the things we're doing. And is that helping us get to where we want to go or is that hurting us? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Do you have thoughts on obviously you have thoughts on these, but between an emergency fund and paying off your debt, I've heard a few different schools of thought, like one person saying you should have an emergency fund first, which can be, you know, again, different schools of thought of like one to three months of those bare minimum um, expenses and then focus on your debt or debt first and emergency fund. Do you have any recommendations as to where someone would start with, with those two things? Yeah. I, I always try to get people before they even start paying off debt. And once they look at their expenses in their budget to at least save a minimum of 500 to a thousand dollars. Cause the majority of people have like zero savings. Like I was mm-hmm. one of them. Me too. Years and years and years, I'd, you know, or just like, I'd have a savings account, I'd transfer some money in, transfer it back out. So setting up yourself for success, I think the three to six month emergency fund, that's for the long-term goal. But like, that's, if you're trying to pay off debt, that's kind of reversing, like you're trying to do something before, like you want to, you want to get to the debt, right? And get mm-hmm. your plate and those payments, Um unless you already have, you already know a big expense is coming up or a big emergency, then you got to say, you would say towards that. But like, I always recommend you need to save at least say a thousand dollars minimum. I usually say 3000 if you own a home, just because there's a lot of different costs with home ownership. But, um, and a lot of people are like, that's not enough. I'm like, but you don't have anything right now. So yeah. <laughs> a thousand's a hell lot more than you have. Right. And just that little bit gives you confidence and gives you that breathing, just a little bit of breathing room. So like if something happens with your car, if a deductible, if any little thing comes up, then you have a little bit of buffer between you and life because you can't predict the future. We all know Mm -hmm. emergencies happen. Um, So having at least a thousand dollars and I always recommend in a savings account outside of your regular bank, because if it's attached to regular bank, it's going to be way too easy to, if you don't have the habits in place, it's going to be too easy to transfer back and forth. So I use a Discover online savings account. Um, So it's attached to my bank, but I can't like instantly transfer it. Okay. Yeah. I've definitely done that, that back and forth too many times for sure. So I've been hearing a lot more about like a different account. So yeah, like a separate online savings account, Discover online, Ally has one, um, Marcus, uh, SoFi, some of those, if you look for a high yield savings account, so you're getting like a four or 5% 
return as opposed to like Wells Fargo Bank of America, which is like 0.01. Like oh, no, wow. Yeah, so it's like a 4% difference on. And so that kind of gets exciting too, because then you're like, oh, I have money. It's actually growing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even if it's $4, $10 a month, you're making some money um, while it's sitting there. And then it's not directly connected to your checking account. So you don't have that, like, you're putting a little bit of bare, you know, uh, boundary up with your personal, like I'm only using that. That's my emergency fund, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're naming it an emergency fund. It's not a savings account. Yeah. Emergency yeah. It's for emergencies. It's not like if there's something on sale or it's trip. Yeah. I want. <laughs> Can I transfer? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. That's what I don't know. I feel like I, I knew this at one point and maybe I blocked it out because finances got so stressful for me that I just, I really wasn't thinking anything about them. I was thinking like, there's no way I can ever save because my paychecks here, my expenses are here. They're like, you know, yeah, paycheck to paycheck. But um, being that I didn't realize it, like I said, it might've been a blocked out memory. I think a lot of people don't realize that there are, yeah, just savings accounts that can accrue, accrue interest. So your money is growing just sitting there. And like I said, that makes it so much more exciting to look into and have it be somewhere you're like, oh, I'm, I'm making money on my own money because the only other way that we think about doing that um, besides working is investing and investing can be very scary, especially if you don't know anything about it you're already stressed for money. So the thought of putting money somewhere, that's a risk. You don't know if it's going to grow or if you're going to lose it or, or what can be very hard. Do you have any tips or suggestions on investing? Um, like one question here we have from the listeners, how to best start investing when you still have student debt. And so I would just say with any, if you have any debt, um, where, how do you get into it? Yeah. I mean, um, most people talk about investing is when it comes to retirement accounts and retirement mm-hmm. investing. So long-term investing, um, you know, more recently people have been doing just like single stock trading or like whatever it is, but the majority of things that people talk about are investing for the long-term. Mm-hmm. So investing should be a long-term strategy from my point of view. Um, and you know, you have, I think the best thing you could do is, is meet with financial advisors. will talk to you for free from Charles Schwab. Like, like I always highly recommend Charles Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, those top three um, investment places. And it's, there's no money. They don't charge you to come talk to them and just try to understand what accounts you should be in. Um, the most basic thing that people know is a 401k. If you have mm-hmm. a 401k with your job, right? Some jobs will match if you put in a certain amount, they'll match your money. So you're basically getting free money. Um, So most people I say should start with that. If they have a 401k offering and their employer is going to match their money, you know, I'd say, Hey, put in a few percent, like a couple percent of, and get it. It's taken right out of your paycheck. So it's being put into um, not just single stocks. It's getting put into, you know, those 401ks are already investing most of them you can set up where they're already in accounts, different types of investment accounts. Like mm-hmm. they have those pre-set up for you. Um, some some of them you can choose what investments you in, but you're in. But even me knowing a significant amount about investing now, I still work with an advisor. I still, it's just like somebody who, if you're getting your car worked on, like I want to know what they're going to do or I want to understand it, but I don't need to know the day to day, like moving the money around, accounts that it's in. Um, 
so I'd say like start with the 401k a little bit and then depending on your other goals you can have like a, you know Roth IRA is really popular because that's a um, after tax your money grows tax free so you pay taxes on the money now like you know whatever it is the 15 20 whatever it depends on your tax bracket and where you mm-hmm. live um, but then the money grows tax free so the money grows at on average the stock market grows at normally 8% a year, eight to 10% on your money a year. Um, and then when 20 years from now, if you're going to take the money out, you don't have to pay taxes on that money. Which is so amazing. sorry to interrupt, but um, so you'd pay taxes for it now. Like if, if I had a hundred dollars out of my paycheck taken out going into an IRA, um, I might be paying taxes on it like now. So actually it's not a hundred dollars going in. It might be, you know, 90 or 80 or something like that going in now. But when I take it out, that's, I have no taxes to pay. What I see in my account is what I'm going to get. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And then, yeah. so that's a Roth IRA. Roth IRA. Yeah. Okay. Those are the two main accounts. There's also things like just a general, they call them like brokerage accounts that, um, so if you want to maybe save to buy a home, I'd say a minimum, you want to be investing in there for a minimum of five years. But I think investing strategies and investments, you should be thinking of for like the long term. Get rich quick. You're not going to make money in crypto, you know. <laughs> um, those things or single stocks, you know, are super risky. People think like, oh, I'm going to put money in Apple or put money. It's like you want stuff in these in these investment accounts with these advisors that I work with, it's in a, um, it's in a mutual fund or in an index fund, which is like the top performing, it's like 500 companies in one account you're investing into. Like, right, okay. so one company might have good numbers for the year. One might have lower, but it kind of, no matter what, overall it, it evil, it evens out to on average eight to 10% a year you're making on your money. Okay. Yeah, Which so I, I feel think, like yeah. I was just gonna say I feel like people might think like that's not a lot because we again live in that society of wanting this instant gratification. So you're like, oh wait, what? That's not much. But when you know we see eight to ten percent, you know, like get taken out, we're like, oh my god, like where's my money? Whatever. So it's like yeah. so, you know, we're in for the long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, get quick or get rich quick by investing is probably not going to happen for most. Like that's where I'd be like, yeah, go work at a restaurant for a few months and stack some cash. If you're trying to like get yeah, rich quick like or something. The lottery or something, you know, it's, it's a, uh, yeah. Looking at the long game when it comes to investing. And then, you know, there's lots of online calculators you can use. Like, Hey, if I invested $400 a month or whatever it is like into um, these type of accounts and I'm making this much a year over this, it'll show you, they'll show you, you know, those, those calculators, what some of them I have in my course too, but like those calculators, what kind of like got me excited about investing and seeing like, obviously they always say the sooner you invest, the more money you're going to have, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Um, so yeah, the more it can compound over time. Cause like you said, eight to 10% might like a hundred dollars. I make $8. But then it grows and it grows and it grows. And then it, that's how so many people end up millionaires in retirement is because they didn't invest a million dollars. Yeah. They have invested over 20, 30 years, 300, $400,000, but it grew to over 
you know, their gains are over a million, like become over a million. Right. Uh, so I think just like anything else, education, like learning about investing, meeting with an advisor, taking control of the things you like, Hey, I'm going to go talk to some advisors, ask them some questions, what kind of accounts they recommend, um, what my goals are for the long term, things like that. I think are really important to like starting that because yeah, investing is like, you, it's a, there is risk, mm-hmm. but for the long term, um, if you're investing in the right type of accounts over time, you're going to end up, there's no denying you're going to end up making a lot of money. Right. Yeah. And I think even if you are in the point of being paycheck to paycheck and, and really wanting to like figure out debt first, I don't think it would hurt to dive further into looking at these accounts. Cause as you mentioned, when you're seeing those numbers, doing those calculators or whatnot, and seeing the potential, that could be more reason to get you excited about starting your debt-free journey and paying it off because you're like, okay, I know what's possible now um, As if I can free up some space to be able to invest more. So going back to step one is going to be clearing out that debt. Then I can get to that point where I'm investing and seeing my money grow instead of worrying about doing it all at once, as you mentioned in the beginning of like, there's a hundred dollars going to that, to this, to that, and all these things like, nope, go back, keep the focus of kind of one at a time here. And, and you'll get there quicker than if you're just spread thin all over the place, trying to put your money in too many places. Cause you're just in a hurry to, to get out yeah. from under the hold. Yeah. We try to, you know, we try to think money is overcomplicated, but it is just knowing the basics mm-hmm. or just trying to get back to basics and focusing on one or two things. And then, um, yeah, but I think investing, obviously that's the number one thing that's going to help you be able to retire, um, and have the money that you want to live, you know, when you want to retire, be able to retire early, buy a home, um, things like that. So learning that is like a super important part of your finances. And that's something that I felt behind on when I was still in debt. And that's what motivated me, like you said, to pay off my debt faster and start to like build my nest egg. <laughs> yeah. Um, last question we have from a listener here. Uh, do you have any best tips for tracking or predicting business taxes when you're a sole proprietor or an LLC owner? Yeah. I mean, I work with a tax accountant. So the best, you know, obviously I'm not a tax professional. Yeah. Um, I work with a tax accountant to kind of forecast that as much as possible. Oh, my camera just went off. Hello. <laughs> I still I still hear you. There you are. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say, and I go by the rule, this is probably pretty common, but 30% mm-hmm. just goes into a savings or a, a side account, um, saving towards my quarterly taxes. But as much as you can use that like 30% rule of what you're making in your business, um, that normally is pretty good, a pretty good basis, but I would definitely, depending on your, how much revenue you have and your expenses, um, it can vary. So I definitely make sure you're working with a tax accountant, but yeah, I live by that 30% rule, just putting it into a, another online savings account. That's for my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> Each month, Cause that's where people get, there's a, I have a lot of clients who are paying back taxes Ugh, Yeah. Not on that as much as you can. Yeah. IRS is the worst step. Yeah. I know we have, I think our listener base is pretty spread out um, or even, I guess, of whether they're business owners or working for somebody. But I think in general, that's, again, something that could be in your emergency fund almost as like, just in case you have to pay taxes, you start making too much money. Um, even if you're not working for yourself, 
there's things we don't think about simple as my registration my truck registration this year put me behind I was due in July and I'm like oh my god like yeah because I didn't plan ahead enough for it or how much it was going to be because you just never really know in California how much more the taxes are going to go up um but if I would have had you know at least money aside it wouldn't have taken as hard of a hit as it did uh so taking into all those things into account um I think is is a good idea and talking to experts at all in in any, whether it's like investing like you mentioned getting consultations from those places of the high yield savings accounts or IRAs and um tax people <laughs> there's so much differences between yeah, all the things specialized in things so and not being afraid not being afraid to ask questions or feeling like oh I should know this because mm-hmm. the fact is that most people don't Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, just humbling yourself to be like, you know what, I need support in this area or I need accountability because a lot of people do in order to reach their goals is better with that accountability and support. They're mm-hmm. like twice as likely to hit their goals, right? Instead mm-hmm. of trying to do it wrong. So don't be afraid or feel like, oh, I should know this, you know, or I'm not going to talk about this with so-and-so because I should know this. I should know how to manage my money, right? Um, but so many of us aren't taught any of it, so. Yeah. And it's like, honestly, for most of us, I feel like who are reaching out to someone or struggling, it's like, obviously we don't know we're in this situation for a reason. We don't know. So talk to the people that do and ask the questions. Like if you knew you wouldn't be where you're at and you probably wouldn't be asking anyone for help. So you're obviously reaching out because there's something you don't know. So you don't need to act like you, you do because they also expect that you don't. And that's why you're coming to them. So there's no, like you said, no shame in and asking the questions. And I think that's so important too, for women, especially who get too worried or scared or embarrassed to ask the question. And it's just like, no, you really need to understand why, especially when it comes to your money and you're already struggling with it, like understanding what is being done with your money when you're investing, I think is really important instead of just like, oh yeah, here's this amount of money each month, but I'm not really sure like where it's going or what's going to happen to it or how much I am going to have in like a couple of years, but you know, surprise, we'll see. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I always say, I give these examples, like the one with the car I gave, but like, it's like, would you go to the dentist and just sit down in the chair and just be like, open your mouth. It's like, no, you want to be like, what am I, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? It's like, you need to know like some basic information, mm-hmm. even though you don't understand all the terminology and all this stuff. Like, you don't go into a situation or you wouldn't try to do the, your own dental work. Yes. Like, oh, I'm going to make all this money or everything's going to be fine if I try to do this myself. So it's like using those experts, but like, yeah, not being like, oh, I, I should learn how to invest on my own. Cause like mm-hmm. what else is doing. It's like, even for me, I'm like, I don't want to learn how to, I could, but I, I want to spend my time and energy on something else. And like, I'll pay the 1% a year off the top of what I make, which goes to my advisor. Um, that comes right off. I don't pay him out of pocket. It comes right out of my investments. So I'm not paying him a fee, which a lot of people are like, I don't want to pay money. It's like, well, do you not want to make, make money? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just education and like as much as you can getting yourself, giving yourself that, um, to make those better decisions in the long term. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. I mean, thank you for everything. I think we answered all the listener questions we got and, 
definitely. I learned a few things for sure. It was really fun to talk about it all. Before we sign off, though, where can people find you? And uh, whether that's for courses or uh, working with you one-on-one, what's your what are your outreaches? Yeah. You can head to themoneylifecoach.com. That's my main website and how you can contact me if you want a one-on-one call or to check out my free trainings online or just resources there. And then you can also just look up my name online um, on Instagram or the Money Life Coach on Instagram and TikTok, and you'll find a lot of content there, uh, thousands of videos (laughs) on all kinds of topics on money. And just, yeah, if you ever want to email me or um, message me on social media, feel free to do that too, because I love helping other women and people figure out this stuff on their own, you know, and getting, taking control of their money. So I love it. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, definitely go follow Tanya. Cause I know personally, she does have a lot of free resources online on her Instagram and whatnot. Uh, so, so give that a go and find her on her website or on social media. If you have any questions specifically for her, reach out to her directly. Um, and I think that's all I've got for you. Got anything to leave us with? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I cover a lot. I just, I say, especially as women, um, you know, I think the biggest, the best thing you can do for yourself is learning about personal finances and and having that sense of empowerment around money and not feeling stuck and, or letting, thinking the guy's just going to take care of it or handle it for you. Um, So I think as much as you can take control of that area of your life, the better off you're going to be. And you're going to have that sense of security and control that so many of us want in our yeah. lives and be able to build the life that we want um, for the long term. And today and then for the long term too, have that sense of freedom. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Like you just mentioned, I mean, even if you are relying on someone else financially, I think at least knowing where that money's going and having an idea of that can give you so much like power too, instead of just not knowing like, where's our money? Like what's happening? Then all of a sudden you're broke and you're like, oh, why? What happened, husband? <laughs> like, Because you didn't know where all the money was going. No matter yeah. what your relationship is with, with money and how you and your partner, whatever, split it. Yeah, it's important to to lay it all out, look at it, see what what it is, where it's going, and you won't be in the dark with your own finances. Yeah. Yeah. Not being afraid to look. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Step number one, don't be afraid to look (laughs) because I know I have been lately and I'm like, okay, I gotta, gotta get back to my budget. I do have a spreadsheet. I just haven't looked at it in a couple months. (laughs) Yeah. Motivated to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Two months starting. Let's get going. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Tanya. Well, thank you so much. Um, if you guys have any questions after, like I said, reach out to either Tanya or you can reach out to us and we can send um, questions to her or connect you with her so that you can ask her directly. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode and would do us a huge favor since we don't have any sponsors or anything like that and would rate and review us on whatever platform it is you use, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, uh, whatever it is. And if you're listening and downloading just through the website, tearingituppodcast.com, leave comments. Um, We'll definitely engage back with you. And on social media right now, we're just on Instagram, tearingituppodcast is the handle. 
like the post, share the post, comment on the post, whatever it is you got, um, show us your love so we just stay relevant and show up in the rankings at all. So again, rate and review, please. And we'll see you next time. Thanks.